Good morning, everybody. Um, It's good to see you. It's good to be standing here. The first thing I think there is to be said is thank you for having me back because it's been a long time since I've preached at all here, but it's been a while since I've preached at all. Um, And thank you, church. Um, I needed to take some time away. Um, My children needed my attention and I needed to step back from the responsibility of ministry for a season. Um, And I thank you that you gave me that time. But recently, God has been speaking to me about coming back into ministry, which is good. It's good to listen to God. (laughs) But I'm preaching today because when Sam and the preaching team decided that we were doing a series on sin, Sam turned to me and he said, Jenny, (laughs) I think it's time you came and preached again. You're an expert on sin. (laughs) Which is not a very flattering thing to hear from your husband. But what he meant was, what he meant was that whilst I was studying at William Booth Training College to be an officer, I had the privilege to study for a master's degree um, because I'd studied some theology before. And whilst I was studying for that master's degree, I wrote a dissertation on sin. So this is something that I have spent quite a lot of my time thinking about. I've spent a lot of time thinking about sin. So hopefully... Some of that will filter through me and share some wisdom with you today about Romans, this incredible, overwhelming passage, because it is very, very, very big what Paul is saying here, and I don't want you to be in any doubt about that. Anyway, I'm going to start with a story about my childhood and its results. Uh, When I was a little girl, I used to play a lot with Barbie dolls. Anybody else here play with Barbie dolls at all? I know Anna did because she's my sister and she was my partner in Barbie doll crime. Our Barbies went all over the place. Barbie swimming, Barbie goes to the library, Barbie goes to all kinds of different scenarios, bald gown Barbie, every kind of Barbie. And we played with them for hours and hours and hours. But when I became a teenager and a young adult, I questioned the role of Barbie in my life. And I wasn't sure that I liked her influence anymore. I didn't like what Barbie was saying to me about my role in the world as a woman. I didn't like her unrealistic expectations of thinness and body proportion. It's not realistic, ladies. She does not a real human woman, seriously. Um, And so I said to myself, my children will never play with Barbie. They will never play. Never, ever. But recently, I have started to question that and think, oh, Barbie's not so bad. Barbie's not a big deal. Barbie's not a problem. Anyway, my point today is not about Barbie. You know, maybe there's some good things about Barbie. Maybe there's some bad things about Barbie. But I want to ask you, in the last two months this has happened, why my sudden change of heart about Barbie? Does anybody know? Can anybody guess? There's a film out. <laughs> There's a film about Barbie, and I don't know, maybe it's I'm the target demographic. Maybe I'm the person they're trying to get these adverts to. But they are everywhere, adverts about Barbie. Everywhere. And they have signed, Mattel have signed something like 100 licensing agreements with other companies. So they literally, Barbie, and the word Barbie, is absolutely <coughs> everywhere. You can get Barbie hoodies, you can get Barbie t-shirts in Primark. You can even go and stand in a box and pretend to be your own Barbie and get a picture. And it hadn't really occurred to me that all of this was working on me and my mind subconsciously down there somewhere until 
Sam and I were out the other day and we went for dinner, which was lovely, and we still had some time afterwards. My mum had our kids, this is very rare. And, um, and Sam said, oh, why don't we go to the cinema? I said, oh, okay, What's, what should we see? And my 36-year-old husband, man, football-loving, cricket-loving, male husband said to me, why don't we go and see that Barbie film? I was like, what? <laughs> this 36-year-old man who has no interest in Barbie whatsoever and has never even looked at a Barbie or played with a Barbie in his life has been so influenced by what is going on around him in the world that all of a sudden he wants to spend his very precious free time watching a film about a plastic doll. This is an illustration of what happens to us when we're living in this world. Because if the world can convince my 36-year-old male husband to watch a film about Barbie, how much more? How much more? And this is my point. How much more will its influence be over him when it comes to lust, when it comes to gluttony, when it comes to anger, to greed, to pride, to sloth? Friends, and I've gone from a very light-hearted illustration to something very serious. Do not be deceived. We are swimming in a world of sin. We are surrounded by sin. Everywhere we go, every angle. I thought of this word whilst I was preparing this. You'll never eat barbecue in the same way again. But we are marinating in sin. So inevitably, we sin, and instantly we become part of the problem. I'm sure this is a familiar thing that you can really relate to, because I've done this. You're out and about, maybe driving in your car, and you're having a perfectly good day, when all of a sudden someone's beeping their horn at you, and you've got a road rage incident, and all that anger just rushes up inside of you, and it stays with you. And maybe you go home, and you open your front door, And in my case, there are my children, you know, kind of being annoying, but they're just children. And I just, oh, that anger that is inside me that's been passed on to me just erupts. And I shout at my children, I am full of sin. And I pass it on as it was passed on to me. So I pass it on. We are marinating (laughs) in sin. These days, the world that we live in is not so interested in the language of sin. We don't talk so much about sin or the human condition of sin. People don't like the idea of sin and being convicted as a bad person. People want to be good people, don't they? But nevertheless, even though we don't talk about sin so much anymore, we know it's there. Because we talk about things like climate change. We talk about things like structural inequality. We talk about institutional racism. We talk about a cost of living crisis when the world is more full of wealth than it has ever been. We are living in a world of sin. Do not be deceived. And I think perhaps humans and recently in our modern world, we don't like to think so much about sin because it is, a, it is something that we have reduced to a list 
of individual faults that we ourselves might be committing. As though sin is about having a list, your good list and your bad list. And the sin can be categorised into all the bad things that you choose to do. And people got tired of looking over their shoulders all the time and making sure they weren't having any fun by not sinning, trying really hard not to sin. And so people started to think, oh, sin, I can't, I don't, can't be bothered with that. That's not really true, is it? But one of the biggest lies that the world might try and tell you about sin, and one of the biggest misapprehensions of sin, is that sin can fundamentally be understood in the way that we make choices. That I can choose to sin or choose to be good. And it's not as though the realm of sin isn't really working like that. It's not as though I can wake up in the morning and decide, today I'm going to be good. I am not going to sin. We don't have that kind of power as human beings. We might like to think we do, but we do not have that kind of control. Sin, from its very inception in this world, from way back when humans are let into the world, sin is a disease. It is so much worse than whether I want to choose to be a sinner or not. We don't choose to be sinners. We are sinners. We are born sinners. We are born into a world of sin. And I talked a bit about the climate crisis, but it makes a good example for us. Because we know that, you know, the world is heating up and we know that there are massive wildfires raging in Canada, huge, intense temperatures going on in southern Europe that have broken all records. There is a human-made climate crisis. Um, And it's easy to think about it as something that's going on externally, as something that's going on out there in the world. But I'm here to tell you that actually we are the climate crisis. You are the climate crisis. Every time you sit in your car and turn the ignition and burn some fossil fuels and release them into the atmosphere, you are the climate crisis. And particularly those of us living in the West, we emit more carbon than people all around the world. And maybe you'll want to say to me, ah, but I don't drive a car, Jenny. I don't, um, I don't choose to add to the climate crisis. But what food do you buy? That food, because we live in an urban environment, has almost certainly been shipped using huge amounts of fossil fuel from somewhere else in the world. And then you start to say to me, but Jenny, this isn't fair. It's not fair. I don't want to be part of the climate crisis. And I'm here to tell you, unfortunately, you have no choice. It's not as though those of us who live in houses without gardens can start ripping up the concrete and and sowing potatoes so that we don't contribute to the climate crisis. We don't have choice. We are trapped. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, wow, this is depressing, Jenny. This is depressing. I I just really didn't need to come to church today to get even more depressed than I was when I woke up. And why am I labouring this for so long and so much? Because as the world has forgotten, so too as Christians so often, we have forgotten the huge crisis of sin. The huge disease of sin that we are surrounded by and from which we desperately need to be saved. It was not for nothing. Paul tells us the truth when he says we are slaves to sin. We don't have a choice. We are enslaved in this world to sin. 
but it's not for nothing. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me because you cannot fix this problem, this crisis, this disease with your good behaviour. You cannot manufacture for yourselves a way out of this problem. There is nothing that you as an individual can choose to do to fix sin. You are desperately in need of a saviour because you are enslaved to sin and you will always be enslaved to sin until you die. I was saying to some before in this sermon's got a lot of the word die and death in it. (laughs) I'm sorry if that is heavy today but it's the passage I was given and so I have to preach it. Paul points to another reality about sin. The disease of sin is terminal. There's not a lot of, in fact, there's no fix. There's no way to resurrect yourself from sin as a human person in the world that we're living in. The disease is terminal. In fact, Paul's really, really keen to emphasise this. In the very short passage that Lynn read to us, he uses the words, died, die and death 15 times. He's really trying to get a point across about the fact that the sin is a terminal condition. There's only one ending for sin. We are so marinated (laughs) in sin. Like I said, you're never going to eat barbecue in the same way again. We are fit for nothing. We are no use. We are no good. We have a sin disease and that disease was terminal. And God knew from the, the heartbreak God must have felt from the very moment, from the very first moment that we as humans let that sin into the world. God knew the huge dilemma that we faced, the slavery into which we had placed ourselves. But, and there has to be a turning point in this long series of gloom, but for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It is God's action. It is God's action which saves us. But friends, here is the really hard truth to accept, but nevertheless it is the truth. I'm here to tell you today that you cannot be in charge of your own life. You can't be in charge of your own life. You can't make your own choices. I'm sorry. I know it would be really nice to think that we could, but we can't. If we accept the condition of sin that we're in, we can't just turn around and choose what we're going to do with our life. We are not in charge of our own destiny. You must choose a death. The only end of sin is death. So you must choose a death. Which death are you going to die? Are you going to die the death of a slave under sin? Are you going to die in slavery to sin? Because that's the end. That's where sin results. Or are you going to die with Christ? You have to choose a death. Or perhaps maybe, to put it in a more positive way, you have to choose your ruler. There is no middle ground. There is no neutral Which ruler do you want to follow? Do you want to be enslaved to sin? Or do you want to have Jesus be your king and your master? 
Do you want to follow King Jesus in the kingdom of God? But to get there, you have to die. You have to die. And then (laughs) you will be raised to life. Paul says it really clearly. Or don't you know that all of us who are baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death. You have to die to be raised to life again. You have to die. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Your old life has to be dead. (laughs) And that means you can't take anything with you. You now belong to Christ Jesus, it says in 1 Corinthians 6, but you are no longer your own. You are not in charge of yourself anymore. You are no longer your own. You were bought at a price. You are Jesus's now. If you choose to die the death of Christ and enter the new life to which he raises you, you are Christ's. That's why we're called Christians. (laughs) We belong to Christ Jesus. And you can't take anything with you through this death. You can't take your unforgiveness. It's so good that that was brought up today. You can't take your resentment of other people. You can't take your disappointment with how your life has turned out. Maybe you wanted your life to be different and it wasn't. You can't take that. It has to die. You can't take sexual desires that will corrupt you. You can't take a love of money. You cannot take anything with you through this death. All now comes under the rule of Jesus. Everything in your life, every single thing comes under the authority and rule of Jesus if you choose to die this death. But a death you will die. You know, it's not like, oh, I'll choose another option. (laughs) There's no other option. I'm sorry. Slave to sin or you die with Christ. Those are your options. And the option to live and be raised with Christ Jesus, wow, that is phenomenal when you get there. But you will not get there until you die. So, (laughs) that was quite a lot. (laughs) And how can I invite you to respond today? How can I invite you to consider this today in your own life? The first thing is maybe you have never died this death before maybe you've been listening to stories about Jesus all of your life but actually you've never died you've never died to your sinful self and been raised to new life and today is a great day to do that (laughs) don't wait it's not like the option of staying in sin slavery is particularly great I know it's tempting but it's slavery it's slavery And being under the leadership and authority of Jesus is still, it costs costs everything, but at least he loves you and he wants for you a flourishing and a life-givingness. Life-givingness, that's not a word. (laughs) Or perhaps maybe the other option today that you're faced with is that you do know this king. You have chosen to give your life to this king you do follow this king you serve this king but maybe as I was writing this sermon I tell you coming to preach is the most painfully self-convicting act you can do 
as I was preparing this, there were many, many things that I had to put in front of Jesus. But maybe you walked into his throne room this morning with some, and you came to say, I'm here, Jesus, I'm here to serve, I'm here, I'm ready. I'm here for my new life. But something's hiding behind your back. <laughs> You're standing there in front of the throne of Jesus and you think that you can hide this thing behind your back that he's not going to see, he's going to see. <laughs> And he's going to say, don't bring that. That could be all manner of things. And I could give some suggestions, but I'm actually going to let God convict you of what that might be, if that is you today. (coughs) And I want to invite you today, that thing that you're hiding behind your back, that you know is not fully under the lordship of Jesus, let it die. Let it die. Maybe it's something you've hoped for, longed for. Maybe it's something that has kept you stuck. But let it die. And let Jesus raise you to newness of life. Yeah, I'm going to pray. Father God, you know each of our hearts... (coughs) The people sitting in this room, maybe even people listening um, back to this later on, you know each of us, you know the condition to which we come before you today. Speak to us. Invite us into this death that you have died for us. To be raised to newness of life. Amen.